Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, pre-recording from the Long Island Bunker. Folks, I'm really excited to bring you a little interview that I did. And I say little because it was roughly 10 minutes um, that I did with a young queer person um, who is part of the It Gets Better campaign's youth summit that happened uh, earlier in November. And You know, for far too long, we have conversations, right, that are talking about LGBTQ youth as opposed to actually speaking to LGBTQ youth. They have been used as political footballs. They have been used for target practice um, by the far right. And I don't even want to call them the far right. It's just Republicans, right? Like if you are at, at this day and age, If you're still wearing the label proudly of Republican, then you are a homophobe, a transphobe, a racist, a misogynist, because that's what the Republican Party stands for. When we look around the nation right now at the, I mean, folks, the swath of anti-LGBTQ legislation, all of which uh, in a very big ways are directed at LGBTQ youth or their families. You look at the legislation that was rolled out in Texas, which was an anti-trans piece of legislation that was going to criminalize, right? Parents for providing life affirming healthcare for their children. You look at the policies that are rolled out in Florida and the way that Lauren Boebert said that they should be nationalized so that we can go back to an era where we can't even utter the word gay, that we can't even say LGBTQ. There are horrific stories of teachers needing to take down their safe space stickers in their classrooms that were rainbows that identify them as a safe haven for young people inside of that school, right? And we've seen those removed. So 
you know, I think that it is really important for us to be in conversation with youth about how they are being affected by what is happening to them. So in a series of interviews that I will do um, over the course of this week, uh, I will chat with two uh, young people, one who is 17 years old, who is coming up next, Eris Robinson, uh, who is a senior, uh, in high school at, uh, and living in Alabama. And then, uh, another interview that I will have later in the week with a 15 year old, uh, non-binary artist. And then the leader, the education coordinator for the, it gets better project to talk about why, it gets better and our and other organizations directed at youth are so critical at this moment and this time and i got to tell you you know for those folks who don't know my own personal coming out story i came out when initially when i was 12 to my sister and I remember we were on a family vacation and we were sitting on the rooftop of the hotel that we were staying at. And I had been trying to work up the courage to tell my sister at this time that I thought that I was bisexual. And my sister, for folks who don't know, is five years older than me. So if I'm 12, right, she's, you know, roughly 17, 18, you know, getting ready to turn 18 years old. And thankfully, the first person that I ever told my sister met my fear and anxiety with nothing but love and compassion. I remember coming out to her and I had tears in my eyes and I said, I think that I'm bisexual. I know definitely that I like girls, but I think I also still like boys. And my sister looked at me and she said, I have no idea why you're crying. Half of my friends are bi. And we had a good laugh about that. That initial reaction to my truth, right, um, would, would be the foundation for how over the course of the next several years, it, it wouldn't be for another nine years that I would come out to my parents um, and this time say, uh, you know, that I am a lesbian. I would come out to friends, you know, new friends and old friends, you know, in between that 12-year-old me. Um, and then, you know, young adult me that would finally come out to my parents. And, you know, even when I came out to my parents who were so beside themselves, um, and the only reason why they were beside themselves was because of the world that we live in. Not because they didn't love me, not because I came from a religious family that was going to throw me out of the house or, you know, throw the Bible at me or any of those things, but because my mother, and I've written about this and spoken about it so many times, said, you're already a woman and you're already black. What else do you want against you? Right. And, you know, in hindsight, and even just, you know, days later, I recognized that my parents' reactions were ones that were coming from fear. They just didn't want their daughter to experience any more pain, any more sadness, loneliness, grief, depression, because of wanting to live an authentic and true life. 
and knowing that at that time, this is society that we were living in was not welcoming at all. So part of me as now a queer adult, when speaking with these young people, part of me is just so in awe of them. So in awe of their courage, their authenticity, because again, you know, I wasn't out and queer in elementary school or in high school. I think the average age now for young people coming out is around 12 and 13 years old. And I think about, you know, the uniformity, right? Just the assimilation that is expected of young people just to fit in and all the ways that we shrink ourselves in order to fit into other people's ideas of who we should be. So the fact that you can be so young and so clear about who you are and about how you want to show up in the world, I think is so critical for us to understand that when we listen to these politicians that are supposed to be the adults in the room that are telling young people that are very clear about who they are, how they want to identify what is inside of their heart and expressing to them that all they're looking for is dignity and respect. All they're looking for is to be able to live their lives openly and proudly without obstacle or oppression. And how dare someone tell you that you don't deserve that dignity or respect, that I'm not going to respect your pronouns, that I'm not going to respect your sexual orientation, right? Like, think about how fucking crazy it is when these idiot politicians and, you know, uh, Republican leaders come out and say, and make jokes about pronouns and make jokes about who people are and how they show up. Who the fuck are you that gets to decide how other people should be able to exist? If you can be free to be a fucking bigot, right? Then other people should be free to live inside of their own fucking skins. Right? So, I say that to say that it was really enjoyable speaking with these young people, hearing their perspectives and understanding that I've spent and dedicated a large part of my career to fighting for justice and equity for all people, but particularly BIPOC people, particularly black indigenous people of color, LGBTQ people, people who live at the intersection of multiple identities, and to know that they are still fighting, but fighting with a strength in their back, um, with their heads held high, knowing definitively who they are, um, makes me so proud, makes me so proud and makes me feel like the work that I've done in my life hasn't been in vain. So I really hope that you all listen to these interviews and the conversations that I've had. Take these young people seriously and understand that while they may be young, they know a lot more than we give them credit for. So this is my first interview with Eris Robinson, who attended It Gets Better Youth Summit earlier this month. Folks, I'm really excited to um, introduce you to a few uh, young people that I have the opportunity to speak with on Woke AF. Um, first up is Eris Robinson, who is a Black non-binary and queer activist. 
Uh, their biggest passion is dedicating their life and fighting for liberation and accessibility in all areas. This led them to be the president of their high school gender sexuality alliance. And the group of young people that I'm going to be speaking to all participated in the youth summit for the It Gets Better project. Eris, thank you so much uh, for making the time to join Woke AF. So first, I just want to ask you, what was your experience at the summit like? How was that? Um, I had an amazing experience at the summit. It was my first time in Los Angeles, and I'm from the Deep South, Montgomery, Alabama. So going to the West Coast was something totally new for me and a really exciting experience. I got to meet so many people, especially the whole It's Better team. They were so nice and affirming, and they made me feel welcome in any like room I was in. Um, I It was very tough whole space was very sensory friendly and as a neurodivergent person that made me feel even more welcome that I could um like fidget and um color and not have to have like my have to um have my full attention on one thing but I Mm -hmm. could like relax and um be my full self in the space I got to do my very first in-person interview and a photo shoot and I got to meet all of the other youth voices and they were Really, I love my new friends, and they're really great people to work with. Amazing. So tell me what um, what are some of the things that you discussed, that you all were discussing at the Youth Summit, and what was it like to be, I, for the first time, I'm assuming, surrounded by like-minded uh, young people who were, identify as queer or as allies? One of the one of my favorite topics that we talked about was queer sex ed. It's Sex Better has a new queer sex ed series, and we got to watch it together as a group and make this toolbox of different terms and different things that industry could improve on. And I really love being a part of that conversation because reproductive justice is one of my biggest passions to activate for, uh, advocate for. So being able to like get my input on consent and contraceptives and hearing other people's perspectives especially from different like sides of the world and um, like different opinions, it really kind of opened my eyes to different perspectives and being able to all come together and make this one big toolbox that someday could be used, may or may not. But it was really exciting to be surrounded by all these different people and talk about something that I really like talking about. What do you think that older people get wrong Uh, When they think about queer youth and they're talking about queer youth, I think that in a lot of ways, um, young queer people are being used as the term that we use as a political football, um, not being seen as real people and just being seen as statistics. So what do you think that older people are getting wrong? I think older people, especially people who are not in the not working constantly with LGBTQs, I think they dehumanize us a little bit. I think they mm-hmm. just kind of think we're just there. And they only see us they only see us in articles about advocacy. They don't see us as human. They they just see us like, oh, they're they're mad about this, they're mad about that, they're mad about this. And said, but we're actually students. We are athletes. We're friends. We're peers. And we're so much more than just an activist. And I think when you think when you think about LGBT youth as more than a political pawn, then I think mm-hmm. um, older 
uh, older adults would realize that they have we have needs just like everyone else. And we're mm-hmm. not trying to be mad at every little issue. It's just this world is not made for us. And I think mm-hmm. that once they realize, hey, these people are struggling, then I think we can probably move forward in some of the issues that we're still fighting today. You know, you mentioned that you live in the Deep South. You are living in Alabama. And um, oftentimes when when we talk about the South, we kind of blanket it with one image, one idea uh, of what is going on there. And so tell us a bit about what it's like to be young, Black, and queer in Alabama. Being in Alabama was not my choice. I moved here, um, I think, seven years ago. Um, I came into fifth. I came here in fifth grade, and now I'm in twelfth twelfth grade. And I think I I more used. I'm more used. To, I'm more a city person. Sorry, I'm a mm-hmm. city person. So being in such a slower lifestyle isn't my isn't my personal thing. I think that. I'm not constantly getting harassed for my like race or my sexuality. I think that's one of the bigger misconceptions that um, there are just people like shouting at me or um, mm-hmm. this uh, insulting me wherever I go. And that's not the truth. I have found such a beautiful queer community here in Alabama, whether it be um, my school GSA that I personally run and I make a space for the queer youth to feel safe or it be up in Birmingham with the Magic City Acceptance Center that I go to at least a couple day, a couple days a month um, to spend time with other queer youth. So I think that another misconception is that we don't have these spaces and mm-hmm. I think it's important to know that we do and that for other uh, queer people in Alabama to know that these spaces exist so they can reach out and try to um, get some help and find these spaces that I have that also they can use. What advice do you have or for other young people who live in red states or who have not sought out different centers or places that they can go um, to find safe haven, to find community? What advice do you have for them? I think my biggest advice would be to reach out to online resources if that's available to them. I think most people try to find in-person spaces, but there are a lot of chat uh, chat spaces, phone lines, uh, Zoom communities that that all get together um, monthly, weekly, that they can reach out to and have some some sort of community, whether it be, even though it's not in person, it's still there for them. And I found my... Um, christian queer youth community online Mm -hmm. and it's uh it's queer and there's all these different perspectives and they support me and even though it's not a place where i can go in and sit down it's still a place where i feel accepted and i think other queer youth can um go online and try to like research and find these spaces to um like to participate in um and one of the things that I was reading in your bio and you just mentioned is that you are um you do do Christian advocacy as a queer person. Can you also um explain that and talk about the work that you do in this space in the religious space as well as in the queer space and how they intersect? 
I think a lot of people um, try to separate queerness and Christianity or any type of uh, Abrahamic uh, religion when it comes to LGBTQ people. But I think that people kind of group it into evangelism and that's not, Mm -hmm. that's not the whole of Christianity. I personally believe in like a liberation theology where we can, where I connect stories from the Bible and kind of interpret it as a social justice story. And I think that's one of the things that's helped me to see Christianity in a better light when I, in a time where Christianity wasn't my favorite thing in the world and people were telling me, oh, this is a sin. Oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. And I feel like having my own relationship with a higher, like a higher power is one of the things mm-hmm. that helped me personally. And I don't think that queer people should shy away from religion, but find out what works for them. And also know that they, you don't have to believe in what other people say you should believe in and kind of seek out your own truth in a way. If you had one message to give to people to help them better understand um, the state of queer youth right now, what would it be? I think queer youth right now are still fighting. I don't think even though even though we do, we are humans, we are still activists and we're both and we have feelings and we have to advocate just to exist in a space, but we also have to get good. We have to keep up our grades and socialize and (laughs) apply for colleges like I'm doing right Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) So I think people should know that they should encourage us and be in solidarity with us and check out our mental health because there are a lot of things going on in the world right now that are not, um, that are horrific and traumatizing. And we need that support system from everybody else who's in solidarity and allying with us. Eris, thank you so much for taking the time to join Woke AF. Thank you for the advocacy that you're doing in your own life, in your school and creating space for young queer people. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.